On today's show, Nissan unveils its polarizing Maxima, Delphi makes autonomous history, and the new Chrysler 200 leaves the old model and the Avenger in its dust. All that and more coming right up on AutoLine Daily. This is AutoLine Daily for April 3rd of 2015. Last month, we told you about auto supplier Delphi's attempt to drive an autonomous vehicle across the U.S. for the first time. And it just accomplished the historical feat with a team traveling nearly 3,400 miles in nine days. The company modified an Audi Q3 with self-driving technology, which it called Roadrunner, and drove it from San Francisco to New York City. And in related news, Audi announced that Delphi would produce a tablet-sized controller that can house and manage all of the components needed for self-driving technology. Currently, most self-driving systems feature separated controllers. Called ZFast, it was also co-developed with Delphi, TT Tech, Mobileye, and NVIDIA. Delphi will start producing the controller within the next two years. Audi says it's small enough to be equipped in a mid-sized car and that in the future, ZFast will be able to learn while driving. One of the stunning sales increases last month was with the Chrysler 200. Sales shot up a staggering 165%, with more than 19,000 being sold. When FCA dropped the Dodge Avenger, sister car to the 200 and made in the same plant, a lot of people questioned that strategy. It seemed doubtful one car could fill the plant. But now the 200 is selling more than the old one and the Avenger combined. One reason it's selling so well is that it's a very handsome car. Another reason is that Chrysler is offering hyper-aggressive lease rates. And we'll be back with more right after this. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner. Feel good about driving. Bridgestone Tires. Your journey. Our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems. Breakthrough technologies for lightweight vehicles. Nissan teased the all-new Maxima in its Super Bowl ad earlier this year, but we finally got to see the whole car yesterday. As you can see, it features pretty dramatic and likely polarizing styling all around the car, and the wild design carries into the interior as well. The 3.5-liter V6 has been upgraded with 60% new parts, which helped improve fuel economy by 15% to an estimated 30 mpg and it's available with a host of new safety technology and amenity features. The 2016 Maxima has a starting price just over $33,000. Last year, Mitsubishi had somewhat of a revival in the U.S. with a 25% increase in sales. And now the company has an all-new model in one of the hottest segments. The company just took the wraps off its all-new crossover, the Outlander. It's the first vehicle in the company's lineup to feature its all-new design language. Two engines are available, a 2.4-liter four-cylinder that's matched to a CVT, and a 3-liter V6 that's mated to a six-speed automatic. And the crossover features over 100 engineering improvements. Mitsubishi is off to a good start again this year, so we'll have to keep an eye on if the Outlander can continue its momentum. The other day we asked if you could identify this unique four-wheel drive system that splits into three separate drive shafts with two of them going to the front wheels. And not too surprising, a few of you either already knew the system or figured it out online. It's called the V-Drive 
and was originally designed by Dana in the 1970s for Chevy vans, blazers, and station wagons in an effort to keep the ride height low. After the idea never caught on, someone bought the rights and started the vehicle engineering and manufacturing company to produce it. From there, the system was applied to both Chevy and Ford vans from the mid-70s until the company went out of business in the 1980s. It's an interesting setup, and I'd love to drive a vehicle equipped with it just to see what it's like. And we'd like to thank viewer Elias, who sent in the original picture of something he had never seen before. And if you've spotted something you can identify, or that you think just might make a good barn find, send it our way to viewer mail at autoline.tv. And coming up next, the potential unintended consequences of scrapping dealer franchise laws. Find you in the end. Hi, Dad. When you're committed to the job, your tires can't be weak in the knees. Durable, dependable Firestone tires. Whatever you drive, drive a Firestone. Last year, Tesla made a lot of news fighting dealer franchise laws in the U.S. so it can sell its EVs directly to customers. On AutoLine this week, we're joined by three dealers, and here's what they have to say about scrapping franchise laws. I feel like a dealership in a community is a large tax base. It's a large employer. It supports the Little League teams. It supports so many small charities. Um, I don't think that people really understand what getting rid of something like that may mean. Um, I know it wouldn't be, you know, right away with somebody like Tesla coming in, but it just worries me long term. The investment that we put into our stores uh, is huge, you know, it, it's, it's millions of dollars that we invest. And if somebody can come in and not have to do that, and, and what does that mean for, let's say, GM putting a factory store near a store that's franchised, I just don't know what it leads to. So it is a little worrisome that way. Um, competition is good. I can understand why the, the regular you know, consumer doesn't quite understand why a dealer would be concerned about it, but um, I do think it's a concern. I think it's a concern for them whether they know it or not. I think there are real-world consequences to the consumer if something, heaven forbid, should happen to that manufacturer. Yeah. Uh, you, anyone who owns a Fisker today is probably pretty doggone happy that they had a dealer network because there's still some place to go to have that vehicle serviced. And uh, that is an incredibly important component to what we provide. Uh, we're there, we're the investor, we're the brick and mortar that will be there yeah. uh, when that car needs to be repaired, uh, a warranty issue, a recall, that sort of thing. If that manufacturer goes away and they were also the distribution, uh, the retail side of the network, they're gone. I think that's exactly right. I mean, but we had a Fisker store in, in Scottsdale, and we, we opened it just before the bankruptcy was filed. We shut it down. We had six cars. I mean, we bought the cars back, you know, essentially because it wasn't, you know, we didn't want to provide service. Customer really didn't want them after they were bankrupt. But, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that from a public policy perspective, that's an incredibly persuasive argument that is why you should have it is because you really do. We, we have a customer base. We have a dealership network. We have service we can provide. We can buy the car back. We're not gone the next day. So what do you think? Do you agree with their argument? Let us know in the comments section below. We look forward to hearing what you have to say. And as always, you can watch that entire episode right now on our website, 
Autoline.tv. That wraps up today's show. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend. Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.